Good morning again. Uh, today we are continuing our journey into this uh, new sermon series called uh, Five Practices of Fruitful Congregation. And last week I kind of gave you a glimpse as to why we are uh, doing this, uh, uh, this particular sermon series. And we want to talk about them over and over again. Uh, that these words, these five practices, these five principles are woven into the DNA of Mount Hope. The first one is radical hospitality. We talked about that last week, uh, and today we're going to talk about passionate worship. Uh, the next one is intentional faith development, risk-taking mission and service, extravagant generosity. Those are the five practices that we are going to live by as we journey together um, as Mount Hope uh, United Methodist Church. Last week, as I said, we talked about radical hospitality, and many of you have either spoken to me uh, personally uh, by stopping by uh, here at the church office, uh, or you've sent me emails talking about what radical hospitality means for you and how you have experienced it. It is my hope that we will co continue to live into uh, this principle of showing radical hospitality to each other because this is a mandate that is given to us by our God. In practicing radical hospitalities to strangers, we might accidentally run into Christ. For when we show radical hospitality to strangers, we just might be showing it to Jesus Christ. This morning, we're looking at another principle that is uh, passionate worship. What is a passionate worship? In worship, we connect with God. We, as a corporate body, as a church of God, we come together to worship. This act of worship is both corporate, where all individuals come together and do the call to worship together, when we come and sing together. That is worship. That happens every Sunday uh, when we are worshiping together. So this morning, I just want us to, to look at the... Uh, look at the scripture and, and see what the scripture teaches us about corporate worship. And the scripture comes to us from Samuel chapter 2 verses 9 to 22. This portion of scripture discusses the ark of the Lord. So I wanted to talk about two things, the ark of the Lord and David and how David engaged in worship. So first, the ark of the Lord. The ark of the Lord was built because God instructed Moses to build it. And when you read uh, the Old Testament uh, book of Exodus, there are some very clear um, descriptions, extreme precise descriptions as to how to build the Ark of the Lord. The Ark of the Lord was supposed to be made with acacia wood and overlaid with gold. And the people of God knew that the Ark of the Lord symbolized God's presence among them. That God would dwell in the tent where the Ark of the Lord was. The ark of the Lord traveled with the people in the wilderness. Wherever they pitched uh, and pitched their tents, they would pitch another tent in the middle of the camp. And that's where the ark of the Lord lived. A constant reminder of God's presence among them. And it would move from place to place. Even when there was a transition in leadership from Moses to Joshua, the Ark of the Lord remained constant as Joseph took the Ark of the Lord, uh, Joshua took the Ark of the Lord into the Promised Land. 
Again, a reminder that God's presence was among the people of Israel. The Ark of the Lord, friends, is a constant reminder that God's presence is among the people. This was a place where God spoke between two cherubs. The Ark of the Lord was God's dwelling place. See, I want us to pause here for a minute and I want us to imagine this. I want us to imagine this. I want us to think about the Creator God. The God who made everything that we see. That God. That Creator God. The God who gave us breath. Who blew life into us. That God. That all-powerful God. The God who caused all those plagues to happen in Egypt. So that the people would leave Egypt and go and worshiping that God. I want you to think about the power of that God. The God who made a promise to Abraham. And that promise was lived out for both a nation and land. And how that those two things came became fulfilled. I want you to think about that God. I want you to think about that God in the wilderness who provided for the people of Israel. That all-powerful God. Yes, that God's throne. That God's presence was symbolized in that ark. In a sense, God's presence was in that ark. And the people of Israel understood this. And they treated the Ark of the Lord with great care. So uh, today's reading was from uh, 2 Samuel. So the book prior to 2 Samuel would be, you got it, Samuel 1, right? In Samuel 1, we read this story um, about uh, Samuel 1.4. We read the story about uh, a battle between the Philistines um, and Israelites. And the Israelites were about to lose this battle to the Philistines. So they didn't know what to do. So uh, they ran out and got the Ark of the Lord and brought it into the battlefield. And so the Philippines not only defeated the Israelites, but they also captured uh, the Ark of the Lord. And this time in Israel's history is marked by the saying called Ichabod. Ichabod in Hebrew means the glory of God has left Israel's. God's presence has left Israel as what they were lamenting when the Ark of the Lord was captured by the Philistines. And God, and when they took them, uh, when the Ark of the Lord was living amongst the Philistines, they were, uh, it was not good for them. A lot of plagues and different things were happening. So the Philistines put the Ark back on, on two oxen and a cart, and they hoped that it would go back to Israel. And actually, it made its way back to the field of Joshua of Beth Mesh. So that's what happened there. And there's not much mention of the Ark of the Lord starting there. And then we kind of encounter that same Ark of the Lord here in Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 6. So here's what I want us to focus on around the conversation about the Ark of the Lord, that it is God's presence. And so David and all his men David and all his men wanted to bring this back into a tent that David had built in Jerusalem. And he wanted to bring this Ark of the Lord back. 
And so they put the ark of the Lord on a, a cart and they were moving it. And as it was going along the road, it kind of stumbled a little bit and a man named Uzzah touched it. And when Uzzah touched this ark of the Lord, he was struck down. He died right there. He just wanted to, all he wanted to do was study the, the ark, the cart. But he was struck down. Perhaps he might have forgotten that in 1 Samuel chapter 6, the oxen carried it just fine back to Israel from the Philistines. See, God's wrath burned against Uzzah, is what we read. This is what we read in uh, Samuel, 2 Samuel 6, 7. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of the Lord. Friends, we've established that the ark of the Lord is God's throne. It is God's presence that is there. And actually, if you read the Old Testament in its context, when it comes to entering God's presence, there are strict instructions given to the priest as to what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do how they're supposed to purify themselves and prepare themselves before they encountered God. Yes, Yuza died and he was struck down by God for not encountering God's presence in a worthy manner. See, as your pastor and a fellow Christian, um, we don't like talking about difficult things sometimes. We're eager to talk about God's love and acceptance, but we are at times are resistant to talk about God's wrath. This morning, I want us to remind us, as I stated earlier, that the ark of the Lord is God's presence. In worship, we encounter the same presence. Yes, we are God's children. We enter God's presence with boldness because of what Christ has done. But friends, let us not forget that we are entering God's presence when we gather in worship. We are entering the presence of God, yes. In worship, we are experiencing the presence of the Creator God, the God who created everything. The same God who caused those plagues in Egypt. The same God who caused the Red Sea to be parted. The God who provided all this for, for the people in the wilderness. The God who made a promise to Abraham for laying the nation and was fulfilled. This powerful God is who we encounter when we say we are about to worship our God. We are entering God's presence. So let's not take worship for granted. Rather, let's be humbled that we are in God's almighty presence. And a couple of lessons that I think David can teach us uh, today as to how we need to act in God's presence. Yes, uh, after Uzzah was struck down, we read that David was extremely angry towards God, that God would show his wrath and strike someone down. But then Uzzah leaves the ark um, at Obed's house. Um, and then after three months, we learn what happens to Obed's house. Obed's house, is. we read that God blessed it. God blessed his house and everything he has. 
See, when you are in worship, when you are in God's presence, God's going to bless you and your family. So we read, so David, realizing that God is blessing somebody else, goes up to bring God's presence into his own tent. So I want to look at some of the actions that David did. First, David prepared himself to encounter God's presence. This is what we read. After the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. See, we learn early that David prepared himself to encounter God's presence. That he already took a calf and a bull with him. Because he knew that God's presence was there. And then later, we, when he brought the ark back into the tent that he had built, we read in verse 17, they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offering, fellowship offerings before the Lord. See, again, all those offerings were already set in place. For when the ark came into that tent, David could go ahead and do those offerings. Burnt offerings. There was wood ready there. There were animals that were going to be sacrificed, ready to go. David prepared himself before he encountered God. Friends, I pray that we would be like David, that we would be reminded of David, that we would prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. The night before, on our way, on our drive up to church, or before the live stream starts, that we would prepare ourselves to encounter God's presence in worship. That we would have a heart of expectancy. Saying we're going to church tomorrow. We're going to be watching this church service tomorrow. That we would come to this hour knowing that God is about to do something. That we would come to this hour knowing that we are going to encounter God's presence. See, when we prepare our hearts for worship, mighty things will happen. When we have that expectant heart, God is going to do some beautiful things. And one of them is you will feel God's presence in your heart. We're able to hear God speak to us. We're able to experience that, that peace, that, that feeling that only comes from being in God's presence. When we have an expectant heart. The next thing that David does here is that he is lost in God's presence. He is rejoicing and he is dancing before the Lord. He's rejoicing and dancing before the Lord. See, I'm not advocating for dancing in church. It's not that I'm opposed for us to dance in church. The reason I'm not advocating for it, if you all want to do it, go ahead and do it. The reason I'm not advocating is because you all need to see me dance, and that is not a good picture. See, when we are in God's presence, we are lost in God's wonder and God's love. Our soul is refreshed. 
when we allow ourselves to be in God's presence. I have this story I want to share with you. Uh, this happened many years ago back in my church in India. I was going through a difficult time. Uh, it, was, uh, it was an evening service. Um, you can still remember it crystal clear here in my head. I walked up. Uh, it was a communion Sunday. Um, I walked up, and a piece of bread was given to me, very similar to what you would have heard here at Mount Hope, the body of Christ broken for you, the cup of salvation given for you. And I took both of those, and I kneeled at the, at the rail there, and I began to pray. I began to pray, and I entered God's presence. And our church is very similar. Our order of worship in the church in India was similar to what was happening, what happens here after communion. There was uh, offertory. After the offertory, um, there was uh, a closing hymn. And I was in God's presence, and I didn't even realize all those things were happening around me. All I heard... <laughs> At that moment was the pastor giving the benediction with his hands lifted up. And I was just by myself, kneeling there while the worship service continued. That is what it means to be lost in worship. That we lose ourselves in God's presence. This happens when we take communion. This happens when we just sit in the pew and acknowledging that we are in God's presence. And this happens most definitely when we are singing our hymns and our songs. That is what happens when we lose ourselves in the presence of God. And finally, I want to share uh, what David does in verses 18 and 19 of what we read. He blessed people in the name of the Lord. He then gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israels, both men and women. See, yes, God, when we enter worship, God ministers to us. When we have that heart of expectancy, God is there before us and we begin to lose ourselves in worship. But then we are called to do something that David did. He blessed other people. I think David here is very similar to Pastor Cindy because both of them have the same spiritual gift of baking and giving baked cakes to those around them. So thank you, Pastor Cindy. See, you're following David's footsteps, so thank you. <laughs> we are called to bless people. Worship should never end with us feeling great about ourselves, saying that was a good song. Oh, I felt good about that word that the pastor gave. It should never end with those words. It should end with you blessing somebody else. It should always end with you being a blessing to somebody else. I wonder how amazing our church's reputation would be if each one of us was a blessing after the worship service was done here. That we would go out into the world when we encounter those around us, that we end up blessing them. That is what worship is all about. Friends, I want to remind you in closing that when we worship, you are entering God's presence. May we prepare ourselves to encounter this God. May we prepare ourselves to encounter this God. May we lose ourselves 
and worship. And finally, may we be a blessing to those around us. Let us pray. God, we come before your presence. Speak to us. Refresh our soul. God, we pray that you would bless us today so that we can be a blessing to those around us. Amen.